Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, send it in to podcast at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join the Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. I was just looking at my calendar and I'm having a moment because I can't believe how quickly this month is going to fly by. And then we have December, November, December, January always just seem to fly by and I'm having to rearrange some things because there's just not enough time in the month. You know what I mean? This is why if you're feeling overwhelmed, I highly recommend you get my holiday ebook that I made with my friend Kaylee Clark. It's called Gratitude, a Healthy Holiday Guide for a Paleo Thanksgiving, but you can use it for Christmas or any time of year, really. I love that ebook because it has all of our favorite holiday recipes inside that are totally bomb. Highly recommend you make the sweet potato casserole, the pumpkin nog, the cauliflower stuffing, the pecan brownie bars all of it. But we have all of the recipes and then we also have a whole lifestyle guide for having a healthy Thanksgiving. We even have a calendar and a to-do list so you can plan out Thanksgiving. Well, you don't have to plan anything. You don't have to even think about it. You can just follow along with our instructions and then you'll have Thanksgiving ready, done, good to go. And we talk all about different lifestyle factors. We talk about dealing with family dynamics during this time of year, how to handle treats and balanced exercise routines and troubleshooting digestion because you might be eating some things that have your digestion a little out of whack, all of that. Self-care practices, a huge lifestyle section is in that book. So I highly recommend you check it out. You can go to bit.ly slash gratitude HHG and use the discount code wellness realness for 20% off. Check that one out. Speaking of ebooks, okay, update. I am working hard on No Sugar No Problems Part 2. It is so good and it will be out very soon. I am determined to get this out. I have to be honest, I got very behind because I thought I was going to be able to work while I was traveling when I went to Indiana and and Chicago and I did not work on it at all. So yeah, came back and I have to bust my butt and I'm gonna get this out ASAP. So stay tuned. I know everyone's really excited and I I need it to be out before Thanksgiving because I know people want to make the recipes in there. I have a few really awesome sugar-free pumpkin recipes in there. If you don't know about No Sugar No Problems Part 1, you should check that out. It's my sweetener-free dessert ebook. So all paleo dessert recipes, most of them are vegan and none of them have any sugar, any sweeteners, So no xylitol, no monk fruit, no stevia, also no high glycemic fruits. There's a few that do have fruit, but they're all low glycemic. So like berries, for instance, but most of them are fruit free as well. So just no sweeteners designed for people who have digestive issues, who just want to reduce their sugar intake, who are sensitive to that. 
I really made this to help my clients who would be on protocols and can't have any sugar. So I want everyone to be able to have a sweet treat when they feel like it. So you can get that ebook at bit.ly slash no sugar, no problems or on my website and stay tuned for part two. Speaking of which, why I'm feeling so time pressured. So here's the update I haven't publicly announced yet and I can get more into this at a later date, but I am moving yeah, I'm moving next week, actually. So I'm going to spend the weekend packing. I have been tying up some loose ends here in Los Angeles and I will be gone. I'm leaving LA. I'm leaving next week. I'm really, really excited for the move. I have been wanting to leave for quite some time now. And again, we can get into all of this maybe later. But I just wanted to let you know that I am moving. I'm leaving LA. I'm moving to San Diego. It's going to be awesome. San Diego has always been the place where I've been planning on settling, kind of. Like, it's where I always knew I wanted to live eventually. And the universe told me that it was time to go now. So I'm I'm bouncing. So, yeah, I'm basically packing, working on this ebook, um, and other things, other businessy things. And I move next week and then I'll be in my new place for a few days. And then it's going to be Thanksgiving week and my friend Addie's coming to stay with me. And then November is basically over. So it's a busy time, busy time. That's my update for you. I'm pretty sure half of you are going to be like, yeah, I knew that was coming. And the other half might be confused, but yeah, I'm super excited. I'm going to miss my friends here. I'm going to miss Erewhon. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been really sad saying goodbye to all my friends, but I have some awesome friends in San Diego. I'm going to make new friends and LA isn't too far. I'm sure I'll be up here quite often, honestly. it's It honestly takes the exact same amount of time to go from Santa Monica, where I am now, to like the east side. So if I go to Echo Park... It'll take me like an hour and a half to two hours within LA. Or I could go from San Diego to LA during not traffic and also get there in one and a half to two hours. So that LA traffic. So that's the news this week. Let's move on to more exciting things like this week's guest. I'm very, very excited to be chatting with my friend Mina Lee. You guys probably know her from Instagram if you're on the gram. Her handle is Living Mina Lee. And she is the founder of Live24K, which is a company that has created something called Golden Fuel, which you've also probably seen on Instagram. Beautiful packaging. Mina knows what she's doing, but it's a turmeric collagen powder blend. Basically, you can instantly make your own golden milk. And when I first found this product, I was so excited because it has no added sugars, (laughs) speaking of no sweeteners. And it's really, really hard to find a pre-made golden latte golden milk mix that doesn't have any sugar already in it and it also contains collagen which we all know that collagen has incredible health benefits great for your hair skin nails joints gut lining so this product is really designed to be highly anti-inflammatory and really healing 
It's not only something that tastes delicious, it has beautiful packaging, and it has amazing health benefits. And Mina will share more about the why behind this company and this product in this episode. And I love learning about the why behind products. I also love chatting with Mina because she just has so much going on and knows how to juggle it all and hustle. And she's a personal trainer, a nutrition coach, and a lifestyle blogger in addition to owning this company, Live24K. She has incredible posts on her blog and Instagram account. I highly recommend you follow her if you love the real talk. She talks about things that other people might shy away from. She's very open, honest, real. I just love her personality. I love her energy. I think she's a really positive influence in the health space and I just love the content she puts out there and I really admire all that she's doing like so much respect for her so she is amazing and I'm really excited for you guys to get to know her more in this episode she shares more about her health journey more about what it's like building a company it's not easy at all and I just have a ton of respect for her and she is truly an incredible person. So I highly recommend you check all of her content out. Her website is livingmeanly.com. And like I said, her Instagram handle is livingmeanly. That's spelled L-I-V-I-N-G-M-I-N-N-A-L-Y. It's also in the show notes. And check out Live24K too. You probably will recognize the beautiful gold packaging like with the blue and white label it is beautiful so i'm excited for you guys to hear more from mina and let's just hop into the interview hello thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you for having me i'm so excited and we were just chatting about how this is your first podcast and how i feel so honored to have (laughs) you on and break your podcast virginity so thanks for (laughs) letting me do that um, I know. I'm excited. Yeah. And it's crazy because we, I feel like I know you just through social media. Um, but we haven't really ever like talked, I guess. I know. It's so funny how through Instagram you can feel like you've already met this person before and have a feel for what they would be like in person too. So I feel the same way. Exactly. Well, okay. In case people who are listening aren't familiar with you, can you give a brief introduction for yourself and just tell people like what you do, who you are, what your thing is? Yeah. So first of all, my name is Mina. (laughs) Um, I live in New York and I'm a personal trainer, nutrition coach, blogger, and I'm a startup founder. So a little nickname I give myself is Jill of all trades because I feel like I've got my hand in a lot of different things. Um, hopefully I'm not a master of none though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. So, I mean, I started working in the wellness industry, um, before it kind of blew up and before, you know, workout studios and all that stuff became such a, um, integral part of people's lives. And so I started training people back then and slowly it's just evolved over the years to blogging so that I could, you know, share what I know with, you know, a larger audience of of people. And then, um, with my startup live 24 K that kind of came naturally out of my own personal, um, health issues that I encountered along the way. So it's been a, it's been a journey. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, you amaze me with all the things you do. I don't know how you 
hold it all together. And what's, what's really inspiring to me about everything you do is like, you don't come across as being overly stressed out. Like you, it seems like you really have things under control yet. You're also realistic about like, I'm hustling hard. I am, I do get stressed out, but now this is like what I do to take care of myself. Like, I feel like you give such a realistic approach, which I really appreciate because I see, I think there are a lot of people in the space who are doing a lot, but they're either making it seem like they put no effort into it, which makes people feel bad, or they make it seem like it's just horrible and they're never happy and they're out of control. And like you, I, you just amaze me at how just like down the line you are. So I really admire that. Well, thank you. I'm, I mean, I'm glad it appears that way because I, I do try to keep it real because similar to what you said, it kind of drives me nuts when people are like, oh, I just fell into this career and I feel so grateful for it. I'm like, oh, (laughs) well, I mean, sure, a lot of things do, you know, coincidentally happen that lead you to a certain place, but it doesn't, it feels like it undermines all the hard work that it takes. Mm -hmm. And so then it, you know, I feel like it doesn't do it, um, doesn't give credit where it's due. And so, and I definitely try not to be too complaining. And sometimes I get very paranoid about talking about my schedule or, you know, the amount of stuff I have on my plate because I never want to also seem like I'm busy bragging. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I feel like that's such a part of social media these days where everyone wants to seem like they're doing something important or, or just busy for the sake of being busy. And I'm not a huge fan of pushing that agenda just because I don't want other people to feel like they have to be you know, killing themselves or hustling 24 seven, like in terms of their own worth, you know? Yeah. So I do try to keep that perspective and share a little bit of both my, you know, hectic, crazy days. And when I'm stressed, as well as, you know, the things that I'm doing to keep myself in check. Yeah, I love that you brought up the whole busy bragging thing. um, Because I think that this is a big issue in kind of the world in America, at least. I feel like everyone I know, I'm like, I'm talking to my mom the other day and I feel like she's busy bragging to me. And it's become this idea that unless you are just hustling so hard and killing yourself with being busy, like you're not doing enough, I think. Um, Yeah. And I would love to hear more about your thoughts on that whole idea. And like, have you always had that balanced approach with busyness or like how, how did your perspective come about? Um. I definitely think for me, at least I was definitely not this way, you know, my entire career, especially when I was in college, I went to NYU and, you know, you're surrounded by a ton of very driven, motivated people who all went on to do very successful careers and everyone's a hustler. And so you kind of feel this whole, my, one of my best friends and I, we call it the rat race uh, mentality where you feel kind of like if you're not, you know, saying that you've only slept for five hours and things like that, you're not doing enough. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we tend to kind of, I think, mix up quality versus quantity. And for some reason, you know, that loss of sleep is a badge of honor that we wear. And, you know, I, I just don't, I don't love that mentality, but I definitely used to have that much more so. But I think as I became more confident in, you know, the work that I was doing and, um, also being more cognizant of what my time is worth. I realized that it actually isn't great to be like, Oh, I've just spent nine straight hours doing X, Y, Z for no reason. You know, I'd rather, um, work hard in concentrated amounts and, you know, have a better product to show for it rather than relying on, you know, trying to feel busy 
as a way to make myself feel like I accomplished something. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a really, really great way to put it. And I also wonder if kind of, I know you've had like such an interesting health journey and like a lot's going on in your life. And I feel like probably some of your life events played into that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to kind of go back and maybe you could start sharing like, like back to the beginning, like talking about your health journey, your health and wellness journey and like how you more about how you kind of fell into what you're doing now. Yeah. So I mean, when I first became a trainer, um, it was really because I, so I used to be a former competitive figure skater for 10 years. And so movement and exercise was, they were always an integral part of my life. But then, you know, I went to college, became a quote unquote normal kid. (laughs) And then I um, entered the corporate working world. And I was working at a job that kept me chained to the desk like 90 hours a week. And I got super out of shape. And um, I was super sedentary for the first time in my life. And so I felt really, you know, unhealthy and out of shape. And um, after I left that job, I was like, okay, time to, you know, get back in shape and feel better about myself and um, like get back to movement that I love. And as I kind of started doing that, I just fell in love with going to the gym. And I realized that the people also who were in the gym, including the trainers, they were all of the type of people I had grown up around that same type of mentality and lifestyle. And uh, in general, just more like positive helping attitude than people I had met in my previous industry. And so I wanted to be around that kind of environment. And so then I became certified as a national, uh, in, as a national personal trainer. And then I started working at Equinox and I was a senior trainer there for a couple of years. Um, and then with my health, uh, journey, it all kind of started back in 2014 when I had to have hip surgery and it was an injury that was kind of a residual thing from skating that finally you know, um, reached a breaking point and that I needed to get an operation for. And so in the recovery of that, um, a couple months later, my body just kind of exploded on me. It was very strange because I had never, I had never had any kind of food intolerances before except for my weird fruit allergies. Um, but, (laughs) but I used to be able to eat kind of whatever I wanted and, um, not have to worry about these kinds of things. And also my body was, you know, super fit and in shape just because of um, my training lifestyle. And then all of a sudden I just, I, it was hard to get up for a glass of water. Like it felt like a tank had just run over my body and, um, I couldn't understand what was happening to me. It felt at times I was like, I think I have something seriously wrong with me. Um, my entire body was just aching nonstop and I would fall asleep on my hardwood floor at home anytime I had a break with training clients just because I was so exhausted all the time. And so I was going from doctor to doctor to try to figure out what was wrong with me and I was not getting answers anywhere. And then it was actually my um, my personal training manager at Equinox whose wife just had a baby and developed Hashimoto's and autoimmune disease. And he was like, a lot of your symptoms sound very similar to my wife's after she had to have an emergency C-section and lost a lot of blood during surgery. And so then I went to a doctor and insisted on having my blood work done to test those antibodies in my thyroid. And it turns out that I had Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease that affects your thyroid and your hormones, which explained so much of what I was going through because another fun side effect was that I 
had a crazy case of hormonal acne that just completely took me off guard because I never had had skin issues before in my life either. Mm -hmm. And it just completely felt like I had walked into someone else's body that I didn't understand um, and that I was just trying to figure out. So from there, it was just really unhelpful because the doctors that I had been to were very, um, they were just very black and white, you know, and not a lot about autoimmune disease was known back then, even a couple years ago, it's drastically different now, but no one had heard of it. None of my, you know, friends, no one even at work, even in the wellness industry that I had talked to, no one knew about it. And so the doctors, their only advice really for me was go, go on this thyroid medication, go on Synthroid and, uh, yep. And I was like, okay, well, is there anything else I can be doing? I already, you know, exercise and eat pretty well and stuff, but you know, anything else I should be doing or avoiding. And they're like, nope, just, you know, go on the Synthroid and your body might bounce back and forth though, between hyper and hypothyroidism. And I was like, well, that sounds fun. Great. <laughs> so <laughs> I just... I felt very uneasy about how casual they were about the whole thing. And I was like, I don't think you understand the severity of my symptoms, you know, and my physical well-being is part of my job mm -hmm. and I need my body to function. So I just kind of went off on my own and started researching um, on the Internet and, you know, discovering that a lot of Hashimoto's patients didn't do well with gluten. So I started cutting that out and I just kind of experimented with a lot of different things for my body to see what was going to make me feel better. And um, one of the things that I tried was turmeric for its anti-inflammatory properties um, because my body was so inflamed. My rings wouldn't fit. My feet would like when I woke up in the morning and put my body weight on the floor, my feet would just kill me and it would take a couple minutes for me to start walking um, because it was so painful. And so um, I was just desperate for anything. And so I started drinking golden milk at home and making my own mix. And it helped my symptoms so much. And I also tread very carefully when I say this because I don't want to make it sound like it was curative. It's just yeah. that took down the inflammation that was kind of that initial barrier to helping me feel better at all. And so for me, it was really kind of that large first step that kind of took my body from being super reactive and angry to everything. And um, it really helped calm that inflammation down in my body. And I was drinking that every single day, um, along with making some other dietary changes like, you know, cutting out gluten and dairy and obviously refined sugars. Um, so essentially kind of what the anti-inflammatory diet is like, you know, today. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> um, but back then I was just kind of wandering in the dark. And uh, yeah, and so then from there, you know, I kind of managed to get my symptoms under control, um, but my thyroid was still, you know, sluggish. And so then I eventually sought out a functional medicine doctor that I've been working with since then to kind of help me manage everything. Um, but yeah, and then that's kind of the founding story of Live 24K because I was sick of making it at home by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm getting turmeric all over my kitchen. This is so annoying. Let me just buy you know, a pre-made powder somewhere, but I could not find anything that wasn't filled with sugar or like they were missing the black pepper that turmeric needs to be absorbable in your body. And so it was one of those things where really it was just a selfish need. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm so glad you made it because I mean, I remember when I first saw the product, I was shocked because I had never seen anything out there like that without the sugar in it. And, you know, I react so strongly to sugar as well. So I don't, I like to keep it for like special occasions. Um, yeah. 
And I, I mean, yeah, I think it's such a game changing product and you know, I'm really glad you made that, but okay. There's a lot to unpack in your story. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> I just talked. More. No, but that's incredible. I think that a lot of people listening can relate to so many aspects of that. And I mean, just going back for a second to the fact about how like, you know, your doctors are just kind of telling you just to take the Synthroid and like be on your way. And that's just how it was. And mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for someone who, you know, maybe is struggling with a health issue and they feel kind of dismissed by their doctor? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing for me, I'm, I'm pretty stubborn and I am very, uh, I'm the type of person that doesn't get discouraged easily by that kind of stuff just because I think I also had my knowledge on my side of understanding how my body worked just both from uh, my training background, but also knowing my body really well as an athlete. Mm -hmm. So I just knew that something was wrong and I was not going to stop until I figured out something or I was, you know, until I found someone who was willing to work with me on it. Um, It can be really discouraging um, to ask your doctors about this stuff. And a lot of the times too, even when you bring up something that you've researched or read, some of the more dismissive people, like I've had doctors roll their eyes at me before. And you kind of have to not take it personally just because um, if you put yourself in their shoes, they are seeing this kind of stuff all of the time and they are also very much trained to kind of look at things from one dimension in a way just because of the sheer volume of people that they go through. Mm-hmm. And that's not in defense of the doctors, honestly, because they should be thinking more outside the box and you know putting their patient first. But um, for people who are really looking for answers, I would say, you know, just really making sure to still advocate for yourself and not give up. I know it gets super expensive too. That's something that no one else also talks about is that like it can get really expensive chasing down a diagnosis with all the blood work and all of that stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, functional medicine doctors and even Western medicine doctors, I'm not going to knock them either just because I have I know some people um, with Hashimoto's who have found really good success through their endocrinologist as well. Um, And sometimes, you know, Synthroid and those medications are what is needed, you know, and um, I'm, who knows, I may need it in the future as well. But I think just really, you know, trying to seek out a doctor who understands asking for recommendations. And nowadays, thankfully, with well, I mean, this is kind of a bittersweet thing, right? That so many people are having autoimmune issues and these kinds of chronic illnesses. But um, even on Facebook, there are a ton of groups and stuff as well um, where people can, people will talk about this stuff. And then, you know, you can ask, you know, if anyone knows a doctor in your area um, who specializes in that and, you know, will be more open-minded about this kind of stuff. Yeah, I think those are really great tips. I think... It's such an interesting time because I think what's hard for people um, is that a lot of people don't feel comfortable, like, questioning their doctor mm-hmm. because, you know, we go to these people, like, they've gone to medical school, they've studied this, <laughs> like, you expect them to be the expert and it's really hard when you're expert, the expert is telling you, no, that's all you do. Um, and I think mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard for people to believe that, like, maybe I could know more about this if I researched it myself, even though they're the doctor, you know? Mm-hmm. And I I think that is kind of what's hard for people to wrap their heads around, which is why I'm glad you brought up kind of like, I mean, groups. I feel like I learned so much from like groups and forums and things like that, just from other people's experiences versus Mm -hmm. honestly any professional sometimes. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, totally. Because like you're, it's almost like you're conducting this mass research study on your own, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you know, getting to talk to people and even Instagram, you know, that's actually how I found, um, my functional medicine doctor. Uh, it was actually through my friend, do you know, Allison food by Mars? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I yeah. Know she, is. So she has Hashimoto's too. And, um, so we kind of found each other on Instagram through like the food community. And I was asking her questions because, um, basically at that point in my journey, I had just, gotten my diagnosis and I was kind of managing stuff on my own. Um, but I felt like I still needed some help in a lot of the areas. And so then, um, she referred me to her doctor. That's amazing. Yeah. So you never know who you'll get connected with through the internet. (laughs) (laughs) I know exactly. That's awesome. So, okay. So, I mean, your doctor initially told you like, just take the Synthroid, blah, blah, blah. But obviously you found out more like diet and lifestyle factors that affected this. And I would love for you to share more about some of the things that you found work for you to help like manage it and put it in remission. Cause it's in remission, right? Yeah. So okay. I, um, my TPO antibodies are no longer showing up and Amazing. that doesn't mean that I'm like cured. It just means that my body is at a place right now where that's not happening at least. Um, I still am. Um, I still, my thyroid's still underactive. I'm hypo. Yeah. I still have hypothyroidism and some estrogen and progesterone imbalances. Um, And so I'm still working on those for sure. But diet and lifestyle, definitely a huge part of things. And um, I also am the type of person where I'm willing to kind of do anything that is necessary to, you know, get better and whatnot. And so I kind of did find myself going down this very obsessive rabbit hole, though, of trying to tick off every single box and, you know, fix me, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, for a while there, it, I think it actually was very counterproductive because I was looking at my autoimmune disease as something to fix or that's something that was broken within me. And, um, it set me up for a lot of emotional frustrations, I think, um, because it, at times it felt kind of like I'm doing everything right. And I do things that, you know, would norm- make normal people feel like they're flying at- with full of energy every day and feeling so great. And I still feel like this, you know, mm-hmm. so it can definitely be frustrating, um, sometimes, but, I have not had to go on Synthroid, but like I said, my thyroid is still underactive. So it's definitely something I've considered and I don't, people who look down at medication, um, bother me sometimes because I really, I really do believe that each person is totally different and the symptoms that each person have has with the same disease is different too. Yeah. So you kind of have to do what's right for you. But I also do think that um, there's so much power to be had in taking control of your, um, what you can control, you know, with diet and lifestyle and doing your research and trying out different things to see if they work for you. Cause you know, if you're, if your starting place is the, let's say even a better version of the average American diet, you know, there's still a lot of room to, you know, I feel like improve there to make yourself feel better. So yeah. maybe instead of jumping to a quick fix solution, like trying to pop a pill, trying to go back and, you know, um, establish some better habits that set you up for the long run, um, first as a first uh, step. Yeah, I totally agree. And I noticed that too, there's this, like, I think people like everything else go too far with the extremes of like Western medicine versus functional medicine. And it's like all diet and lifestyle versus no medication. And like, right. we need to find a middle ground. Like, 
we are lucky enough to live in a day and age when like we have access to medications that we need to survive but at the same time it's like that doesn't give you a free pass to just like not eat well and not take care of yourself because you can take a pill to quote fix it it's not going to fix it like we should be doing everything we can on our own Mm -hmm. and then see where our bodies are at and then if we need more help we take more help because we do have that you know so I think it's definitely a combination of both Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I do, it frustrates me sometimes to see people, especially with like larger influencers who take such a very like strict stance on certain things like the no medication versus medication or, you know, you can fix everything with lifestyle versus, you know, a different perspective just because I feel like it kind of uh, discourages other people who could benefit from the opposite perspective then, you know, and it's important, I think, for people to keep in mind that what works for you doesn't necessarily work for someone else. So don't paint it as wrong, just paint it as like not the choice that you've chosen, you know? Yeah. I'm curious, like, I don't know. I think, I mean, I think we're all kind of vulnerable to this at some level. And like, do you ever, have you ever experienced seeing things on the internet or Instagram or wherever that like, I don't know, you feel like are trying to make you feel bad about decisions you're making? Oh, for sure. I see. I feel like I see that a lot, actually. Um, and I think that I, I try to see the good in people and like believe that people are trying to go into everything with a good intention, because mm-hmm. um, I don't think it's anyone's intention to make anyone else feel badly, right? Yeah, definitely. But I also think like I I think back to you know my early days of personal training when I knew a lot less and I was less open-minded to certain things um and I think that when you're really wrapped up and you're really excited about a new discovery you've made like let's say you've just discovered you know that this particular diet works for you and so now all you want to do is sing its praises and stuff and then also kind of curse anything else but that it can come off that way even though what you're trying to do is just express like your support for something it can come off almost um condescending in a way it's just it's just the way that people i think phrase things and i just when it comes to wellness and food i don't love it when people moralize things mm-hmm. like equating you know eating meat is you know, makes you a bad person or only being vegan is like crazy or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's all about individual choice. And, you know, um, I think just supporting or like spreading information on what, you know, has helped you can provide, you know, that insight. But I do, I'm not a fan (laughs) when people go down that other road though. And then it starts to make other people feel badly. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think there's like, there are ways to share things. Like, there's a difference between, like, sharing what works for you and, like, you know, spreading information about, you know, like, the benefits of X, Y, or Z versus being, like, if you don't do this, you're a bad person and, like, turning into a shaming session. Um, yeah. And I think it does come across as very small-minded. And, you know, I, I sometimes I see things and I want, I'm, like, what is this person trying to get out of this? Because as a consumer, on the other side of it, and now I'm like kind of afraid of that person because I'm like, oh man, they're going to judge me hardcore. <laughs> right, exactly. So it kind of closes the door, which I think is the opposite of what social media should be used for, like to open up the conversation. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a really interesting um, space. But okay, well, kind of, I mean, we talk, it's talking about diet. So you found that like removing gluten, dairy, sugar helped you a lot. Um, mm-hmm. with Hashimoto's, was there anything else in terms of diet that worked for your body to help 
Yeah. Um, so a couple different things. Gluten, I like half-heartedly quit it for like, (laughs) well, so like I, I completely eliminated it for about six months and, um, along with dairy and, um, I actually went pretty extreme on elimination because I just wanted to figure out what was triggering my symptoms so badly. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I kind of reintroduced everything slowly and it seemed like my body was doing okay for a while, but then it started kind of tanking again. (laughs) And so then I was like, all right, I, I'm really got to put away this gluten thing for good. (laughs) Um, and it took me a little longer to quit dairy just because, it's so hard sometimes it is. Um, but after, you know, after you feel good for a while and then you dip your toe back into that pool, you're like, Oh, this kind of is not worth it. (laughs) You got to remind yourself. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's evolved though, definitely. Um, so gluten and dairy are kind of the mainstays of things. And then I always do try to keep to low sugar or or just mindfully, you know, choosing when I do decide to go in on sugar, you know, because yeah. girls got to live. Exactly. But, um, <laughs> but for me, there are certain things, it's really odd because um, raw veggies are, you know, great for some people and raw juices and stuff like that. And for me, my body just does not react well to them. I have an extremely hard time breaking down those things for some reason. And um, also to people with uh, thyroid issues, um, Raw cruciferous vegetables can be really difficult to digest, which I definitely found. Um, I knew that I had had trouble with like eating raw broccoli and cauliflower. Like I never felt great afterwards, and it kind of felt like it was sitting in my throat, and I never knew why. And mm-hmm. um, it totally made sense then um, once I found that out. But cooking them down makes it totally fine. Um, and for me, I try to incorporate. I get some iodine through like seaweed and stuff as well. I am very conscientious about um, probiotics, so I eat a lot of fermented foods, um, like kimchi, because I'm Korean too, so that helps. That is just like a natural inclination there for me. Um, But I really, I eat like, I eat a salad every day, and by salad, I just mean like a giant mixing bowl of greens with um, some homemade dressing um, with some fats on there, just because I think that people in general just don't get enough greens, leafy greens in general. Yeah. so for me, I just center my my diet around you know lean proteins, um, healthy fats, um, and lots of leafy greens. Um, but then other than that, I try to not uh, place too many rules around it. And this was definitely also tricky because I had a really bad eating disorder for um, a big chunk of my life due to skating. And so kind of it was kind of ironic because coming out of my hip surgery and all of a sudden feel like seeing that I needed to maybe adjust my diet and start restricting on some things. It definitely was a little bit, uh, intimidating just because for so long I had been encouraging myself to not be restrictive mm-hmm. about food and that was difficult. So it kind of, it weirdly felt kind of like, a telling a drug addict, you need to just have one small bit of <laughs> drug yeah. every single day and just keep it at that. And so that definitely was a, um, a really challenging aspect of it for me. I want to take a quick pause while Mina is talking about following an anti-inflammatory healing diet because I want to talk to you guys about one of my personal favorite anti-inflammatory healing foods, which is bone broth. As you guys know, my favorite bone broth company is Oh So Good Bones. 
They offer the highest quality bone broth made with all organic ingredients, only organic herbs and vegetables, all pasture-raised grass-fed beef, organic pasture-raised chicken, and all their broths are gluten-free, dairy-free, Whole30-approved, and certified paleo. And they also make their bone broth in small, controlled batches just to make sure that the quality is always consistent and the absolute highest quality possible. Bone broth has been a staple in the diets of traditional cultures for thousands of years because it has so many incredible health benefits. It can help to treat leaky gut syndrome, help you overcome food intolerances and allergies, support your immune system, which is especially helpful at this time of year. It can even help to reduce cellulite, improve joint health. It really, really helps to heal and seal the gut. And we know that the gut is at the root of so many different health issues. You know how your mom would always tell you to have chicken soup when you were sick? Well, Campbell's chicken soup isn't really what's giving you the benefits. The reason that is a thing is because bone broth specifically is what people in traditional cultures would use when they were getting sick or falling ill or had any ailment. And then over the years, our food sourcing changed and people twisted that and then thought just any old soup would do the trick when it's not really just any old soup it's bone broth specifically and really want to make sure you're getting the highest quality bone broth also really helps to support detoxification and as we know in today's world we are exposed to so many different environmental toxins pesticides artificial ingredients, and all types of chemicals. And so the body has its own way of detoxifying itself from different toxic exposures. But when our bodies are flooded with all these chemicals, it needs something to help boost that detox process along. And bone broth is a really powerful detox agent because it helps the digestive system move out any waste and it also supports the liver's ability to remove toxins and the liver is our main detoxification organ. Bone broth is so incredible because it has so many healing amino acids. For example, it contains glycine, glutamine, arginine, proline, which all help to contribute to bone broth's healing properties. It's the collagen specifically that is the key to supporting the immune system. And the reason why is because collagen and gelatin are so fantastic at helping to heal and seal the gut lining. I highly recommend you get some bone broth into your diet if you're looking to support your immune system, heal your gut. If you also want to improve the health of your nails, skin, hair, I know a lot of people have really cleared their skin up with regular use of bone broth. It is truly a superfood. And I love Oso Bones specifically because they have a wide variety of delicious flavors. They have a whole AIP compliant line and those do not contain any garlic, onions, tomatoes, or peppercorns. So if you have a sensitive stomach, you have plenty of options there. And they also have a whole range that also contain Chinese herbs, which will get you even more benefits. I just love all the different flavors. You can use bone broth just as a standalone drink. I've just been heating it up in a mug and drinking it like that every day. Or you can use it in cooking. You can make a soup with it. You can also use it to add flavor to any veggies you're cooking or any meats you're cooking. So really versatile product and I cannot get enough. 
I know a lot of people who actually replace their coffee habit with a cup of bone broth in the morning, which I think is an awesome idea. You can go with the classic beef, chicken, or turkey bone broth. They also have a spicy pork. I love their signature bone broth. It's delicious, great to use in soups, but the ones that I've really been loving, I've you guys know I love the Revive, and I also love the Recovery Bone Broth, which is delicious. It contains Chinese herbs in there, too. They also have really delicious paleo soups. They have a tomato basil soup, a butternut squash soup, and a Thai carrot soup. So, so yummy and great for this time of year. They also have a beet soup, a super green soup. So check out all of their soups. You can get sampler packs or buy them individually. And if you're interested in trying Oso oh Good Bones out, then just go to osogoodbones.com and use my discount code CRWellnessRealness and that will get you $15 off. So again, you can go to osogoodbones.com. That's spelled O-S-S-O-G-O-O-D-B-O-N-E-S.com. And my discount code CRWellnessRealness will get you $15 off. All info is also in the show notes. I highly recommend you try it out and let me know how it goes. Bone broth will change your life. If you use it regularly, especially, you'll notice a huge difference. And now that I've chatted with you a bit about Oh So Good Bones, let's go back to chatting with Mina. I'm really glad that you brought that up because I think that's something that people don't talk about enough because, like, for instance, I see so many people with health issues where they really do need to be removing a certain food from their diet or something, like, to help with that health issue. Um, Mm -hmm. yet they've had a history of an eating disorder and it's really, you know, tricky to kind of tread those waters because you don't want to trigger something again, but you also need to like honor what's going to help your physical health too. Um, Mm -hmm. like walk me through more of that, like how you went about that process and like kind of, you know, I think it's kind of scary for someone who's had an eating disorder before to like you know how do you like how do you know the difference between like I'm restricting eating disorder ish or I'm restricting like for my health yeah um one big thing that definitely helped me uh when it came to eliminating and stuff was at least when I was figuring it out was kind of treating it like a test trial and being like this is temporary Mm -hmm. you know and so it wasn't like oh I can't eat this ever again Um, I think the extreme ways of thinking is what also triggers a lot of eating disorder mentality stuff. And so um, for me, I think viewing that as like, let's see how my body reacts to this. You know, we're just going to kind of steer away from this for a few days. And I've always also as a nutrition coach um, and then me myself just going through all that I've been through with um, my relationship with food, I try to focus instead of on what you can't have, like focusing on, oh, well, Like then this week then or for the next two weeks, I'm going to focus on trying this new different type of cuisine or these kinds of foods that I normally don't, you know, have too much of. And let's experiment with cooking with that, you know, and having some fun with that there. Um, I think that just helps shift that mentality of the off limits rather than that, but focusing more on all the other stuff that you can have Mm -hmm. and seeing how that makes your body feel. Um, And for me, though, like, with my eating disorder, I will say that it largely, I mean, I have been outspoken about, um, going to therapy for it. And that has been 
the like best thing that I've done for myself because it also made me realize a lot that eating disorders are like their relationship like anything else. And um, for me, at least, it usually like when I would struggle most with it is when I was lacking something in another area of my life, you know, it would come out there, you know, so trying to make sure that you're fulfilling yourself in other ways in other areas of your life while you're, you know, not restricting, but cutting back on a certain food to see how that feels for your health is really helpful. Just making sure to take care of yourself in other areas. Yeah. What are some of the things that you do to like fulfill yourself in other ways? Like, what does that look like for you? Um, so I'm a really big introvert. And so for me, I do love my alone time. And so just kind of carving out that space, um, to do things that I really like to do. Like in New York, for instance, I love walking around by myself with either headphones on or camera in hand. And, um, for me that just, it allows me to slow down and, um, kind of just be mindful and get lost in creativity. But it's just doing anything that kind of fills your cup. And for Mm -hmm. me, a lot of the times it's, creative stuff that helps me. So journaling or, um, working on photos and stuff like that, but just a little bit of indulgence in other ways so that you feel more content. And for, you know, other people might be spending more time with their friends or, you know, um, for me, I don't love using the gym per se, especially with this. Cause then it's kind of like one addiction transfers onto the other type yeah. of <laughs> mentality, but it's just stuff that makes you feel happy and relaxed because, I feel like anxiety is the exact opposite of all of that stuff. And that's what, you know, cutting back on certain foods can conjure up is that anxiety. Um, and so anything that is counterintuitive to that. So anything that's relaxing for yourself, um, reading, just anything that makes you feel um, less anxious. Yeah, I think that's... I don't know if that answer was yeah, helpful. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was super helpful because I think that people kind of like some tangible ideas for what that really means to like... Fill your cup up in other ways because I think people talk about that and people like know that idea, but in their heads, like, okay, that means I have to wait for years in therapy to figure out like where I'm missing in my life, or they're like, I need a relationship with another person. And it seems like this far off thing when I'm like, no, it can be as simple as like, like for me, it's like I want to sit on my couch, curl up with a mug of tea, and watch Harry Potter. Like, yep. and that makes me feel fulfilled, you know, well, my therapist used to ask me like sometimes after I'd come in and if I was having a particularly bad week or something, she'd be like, what did you do for yourself this past weekend? I'd be like, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, well, you know, it's no wonder you feel you're feeling this way, you know, and you're feeling this need for, you know, um, this need for basically anxiety, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, I think I think also, though, what kind of people have an issue with, though, is not knowing what fills up their cup. And that's a scary thought, being like, I don't know what I like, or I don't know what I like to do, because it definitely also evolves over time. But I think um, kind of exploring that and asking yourself that question, you know, like, oh, what makes me feel happy? Like, what makes me smile? And what makes me feel like I forget about my phone? I forget about this, you know, just feeling lost in a moment and kind of tapping into discovering what that actually is. I think you're 100% spot on. I think that a lot of people don't know, you know, what makes them happy. And I was talking about this just yesterday with my friend, how people, a lot of people just don't have hobbies, you know, like they, 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 they don't have hobbies. Like 
I, I see my friends and, like, they go to work, they come home, and they watch TV or, mm-hmm. like, they go out, like, to the bar. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not a hobby. Like, you need something, like, that really fuels you and drives you and you're excited about, like, some type of, I don't know. You know what I mean? So there's something more than, more than that. <laughs> oh, totally. I think, you know, what's tough is I think social media and um, technology, like, I don't like to paint, oh, like social media is so bad or whatever, you know, because I do think it's a tool that can be used either way. But I do think that that stuff like Netflix and whatnot, that has all taken away our time for hobbies Mm -hmm. because now we spend whatever excess time we have not working or not, you know, being in person with another friend or something on these things. And so that has become our hobby, but it's not really something that gives you something back. So. Like, yes, of course, there are some nights where you do need to just, you know, zone out to Netflix and enjoy yourself in that way. But I think it's really important for people to go discover what it is that makes them, you know, like stimulated in ways other than, you know, work. (laughs) I, I agree. And I think people forget, like, there was a time not too long ago when people didn't have their phones or they didn't have like the internet. So like, okay, 50 years ago, what do you think people were doing when they came home from work or they had a Saturday or a Sunday free? Like, like what, what would you be doing if you didn't have your phone? And I think that's a scary prospect for many. (laughs) Oh yes, exactly. Because we've just become so accustomed to that routine. Right. And Mm -hmm. I would say like 90% of people probably scroll on their phones right before falling asleep too. You know, it's like, it's become this attachment thing where we all, it's a weird twisted addiction because we all know how good it feels to feel free of your phone. Cause when you do have those moments, you're like, wow, life is beautiful. And like, there's so much to be done outside of our little screen, <laughs> but then we have a really hard time cutting away from it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, like, I think after, especially after everything I went through with my autoimmune stuff initially too, and that, that year just in general was really hard for me because, um, of the surgery and all of that stuff. I, Definitely, I like had to force myself to say yes to a lot of things. And um, I know nowadays, like there are memes and stuff that say, you know, that joke around about how everyone loves canceled plans and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I think it's really important, especially when you are in a state like that, when um, let's say that you're kind of struggling through a transition of your health or whatnot, or even a lost relationship or something. It's really important to say yes to stuff for yourself whether it be like activities, going to take a class, like nowadays, you know, in every city, it doesn't have to be a place like New York. Like there's so much available around if you actually look for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's true. And I think it's also a good transition into like other lifestyle things that you found that you have found help you kind of keep this under control. Like we touch on diet a bit and, you know, obviously kind of like, doing things to fill yourself up. Um, Mm -hmm. what else in terms of lifestyle is like important for you? Um, well, it's funny you bring this up just because so recently, um, this past year has solely been dedicated to live 24 K and I've honestly, um, not necessarily not practice what I preach because I've been very open about how I've been (laughs) not great at this. Mm -hmm. Um, but I kind of knew that first year was going to be completely absorbed in this startup. And I, was very willing to also kind of put a lot of my personal life aside, Mm -hmm. um, for it. And so I, 
I was okay with that. But then a couple months ago, I realized I was like, wow, I really miss my friends and I miss having weekends. I don't even know what that's like anymore, you know? And so, um, I kind of was also at that place where I was like, shoot, what do I actually like to do? You know, what Mm -hmm. makes me happy? And I had to kind of start venturing out on that whole thing. And, um, for me, it was really just reconnecting with friends is a big thing for me. Um, and then allowing myself to just have like creative time to myself. Um, and then I'm lucky enough also too that my family is close by. And so my little niece is nearby and Mm -hmm. so I get to go see her and, um, have some family time as well. And then another thing I feel like people do not address because they're scared to is dating. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and like making time in your personal life to do that and um, like putting yourself out there, especially if you are single or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a careful, it's a careful line though between using that as a distraction tool versus like actually indulging in something that you like for yourself. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree because I think that some people then to try and fill themselves up, they're kind of just like looking for everybody else to fill their time. Um, Mm -hmm. it's almost like the people who like being introverted should probably spend some more time with others. And then the people who are prone to being more extroverted and really like always being with other people probably need to spend some more time with themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you know, what's funny is because, um, I kind of feel like we don't like those opposite things because in a weird way it forces our, our, it forces us to look at ourselves in a different way. Like introverts don't like being around people like some all the time because it's exhausting having to put yourself out there and, you know, force that energy outwards. And it's the exact opposite for extroverts where they get energy around people, but then they're scared to kind of be alone because it makes them uncomfortable, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm always a big proponent of, Hey, if, the thing that makes you uncomfortable is the thing that's likely going to set you free. Yeah, absolutely. So have you started dating? Are you dating? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I am. And it's a weird thing because uh, I had gotten out of a long relationship um, in like, uh, this was like maybe about half a year before my startup. And so I definitely took the time to kind of just process that um, head on and like be by myself and not jump into dating um, too much. And then I kind of started dating, but then the startup came up and I was like, Nope. Okay. I'm married to this startup. This is my commitment Mm -hmm. (laughs) and this is what I'm doing. Um, and so I kind of put that aside completely and just did not even have that thought in my mind. Um, but yeah, um, a couple months ago I was like, you know what, I think I'm ready to, you know, start allocating some of my time in that direction and start meeting people. And so, yeah, it's been a, it's, definitely been an interesting experience. (laughs) (laughs) Dating in New York is, um, is fun. (laughs) I can only imagine. Are you on any apps or are you meeting people like through people? Yeah. Um, so it it kind of a mix of both, you know, I think, um, it's funny because as you get older, so I'm turning 28 later this month and, um, people are starting to definitely pair off now. And so now it's like, oh, you know, my boyfriend or my husband knows this person or this person. I actually, ironically, a lot of my training clients have tried to set me up with their friends. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, It's just, that's been a really funny experience. Um, But yeah, and then uh, I kind of floated on and off those apps because I also feel like those are dangerous black holes because then you can just get caught up in a world of, swiping and I also just 
they don't, they leave me feeling really gross, honestly, because I feel like I'm like, I wouldn't want a person to judge me based off of, you know, the three pictures or whatever you get to see in some short, funny one-liners everyone, you know, tries to come up with. Um, and so I much prefer meeting people in real life, but, um, yeah. And then, um, yeah, (laughs) that's I've been going about it, but, um, mm -hmm. I, I agree. I don't, I'm not into the app thing. I'm going to try and put that off. I'm like, if I'm 35 and I still don't have a significant other, maybe then I'll, I'll go <laughs> on to, I would go on to a website where someone, where they have to pay none of this free stuff because <laughs> people aren't serious if they're, if they don't have to pay is what I think. Um, but I also kind yeah. of view the apps though, as just like, it's another modality, right? So like, even if you met, let's say you met and went on a hundred dates, through, you know, friend setups and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. Your chances of those things working out aren't necessarily going to be any better or worse than meeting people through an app, you know? And like, I think for me, when I actually went out on dates with these people, like, I was just kind of like, you know what, worst case, you get to meet someone or you have an interesting story, like, just kind of going in with no expectations, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I did actually meet a couple of really interesting people. And some people I've ended up like, kind of making work connections through and stuff as well. And so it never hurts, I feel like, to put yourself out there. And weirdly, I think um, it takes some practice of getting used to that, you know. And I think it's actually it's a helpful thing to just practice putting yourself out there and meeting new people. I definitely agree. Like, I mean, worst case scenario – you know, you just, you, you learn something no matter who you meet, even if it doesn't work out, you know, and like maybe it'll oh, turn yeah. into your friend or not, or I don't know. I just feel like there's always something to be learned from the experience. And, you know, if it's a horrible date, you have a great story, right? Exactly. Exactly. Honestly, like it does, it, you know, as long as, you know, you feel comfortable and you're doing something that you like or whatnot, like I also too, if you're not a person who drinks, like don't go out for a drink, suggest something else, you know, so you don't feel like you're you know, have given up your night or something for this date that didn't work out, you know, but just yeah. look at it as an, as an opportunity. I think, I think that's an interesting topic to touch on. I think people struggle with sort of the culture of a lot of people, like millennials, I guess, like people who are in their twenties. Um, it can be hard. Well, some people say it can be hard for them being in like the health and wellness space and like you know, dating is hard because everyone wants to go out to drinks or even just like making these life changes. Like with friends, they're like, well, my friends always drink or like my friends judge me if I don't eat gluten or X, Y, and Z. And I I mean, I would love to hear your thoughts on that whole topic about kind of navigating it because I mean, the thing is it does when we make healthier lifestyle choices, like it it does affect people around you, you know, like someone's going to notice, but like, um, I would love to hear kind of your thoughts around that whole issue. Yeah. Um, for me, I mean, I totally see how the two are related in terms of like, um, the food choices and alcohol. But for me, I, I view them a little bit differently just because I've never, you know, I had my fun in college and stuff, but I never have just been a big drinker also Mm -hmm. just because, um, alcoholism runs in my family. So I've been very cognizant of that. And so, um, for me, I think early on from a younger age, I learned to be rather confident about my choice to not be drinking when I'm out sometimes, you know, and sometimes I'll feel like it. So I'll do it. Um, but I just don't drink very often, but 
for me, I think um, I see this a lot, especially with my clients when it comes to work dinners and stuff, rather than even just going yeah. out with their friends. Because a lot of these people who need to kind of like wine and dine their clients and especially the men that are out at these like big dinners with bottles of wine and stuff, it's, you know, it it feels almost a little taboo to be turning it down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the more, the best advice I can give on that kind of in my perspective is just to be really confident about your choice to not make it weird. You don't have to apologize for it, you know, like you don't have to be like, oh, like, I'm sorry, I'm not drinking or like, oh, making excuses like, oh, I'm on medication that I shouldn't drink on or like, oh, I have an early morning. Just be like, no, I don't feel like it. That's all. And making it really simple and because what's the worst thing someone's going to say? Like, it might be a friend being like, oh, come on, you know, we're out, whatever, whatever. But if they're really your friend and, and if you just say like, no, I really don't feel like it tonight, they'll totally respect it, you know? If someone needs to urge you to drink for them to have fun, that's a whole nother problem, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so for me, like the drinking part's not as big of an issue. And also when it comes to like dating and whatnot as well, think about it this way too. If someone's that insistent upon going out for drinks and you're not a big drinker, are you guys really even going to be compatible, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, so that's just something to keep in mind. But with the food thing, I definitely found that a lot more intimidating because um, for me, I still... I still do struggle with being around family and friends sometimes with my, um, with my restrictions just because for instance, like I went to the beach, um, a couple weekends ago with my whole family and stayed at a house all weekend. And like, I had to go out and get my separate groceries. But then there were a couple times at dinners where, um, like one of the dinners that uh, we had ordered takeout and the restaurant didn't put, uh, the one thing I could eat in the bags. <laughs> so uh-huh. I was left with nothing, you know? And so, and then people get all in a fuss cause then they feel really awkward and bad and stuff as well. And I don't like to feel like a burden. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just kind of preparing on your end of things, um, of like what you know you need and like looking at restaurants ahead of time and doing your research and just again, not making apologies for it or excuses for it because you ha- have to eat the way you you know, want to, to feel good. And, um, but, uh, sorry, getting off track a little bit there, but, um, yeah, when going out with friends and like dates, for instance, I do see how it can be an impediment sometimes just because, um, like drinking or like even going to like fun food festivals or like a fun new restaurant, like that's so embedded in our culture of socializing. So sometimes it can feel a little like odd to not partake, you know, in it. And so for me, I think sometimes what I've done, especially around friends that maybe I don't hang out with all too often or something, I'll just be like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't join in on the apps and stuff, but please don't feel weird. Go, you know, go in and do it without me, you Mm -hmm. know, and just kind of stating that up front instead of letting everyone feel awkward and you not saying anything either. And they're worried about you. Just, I think just being very communicative and clear and standing by your choices. That's the best thing you can do. I 100% agree. I think that's amazing advice. And like, I think people build it up a lot in their heads. And I'm like, the more you think it's a big deal, the more that's come across going to come across to other people. If you just like, act like it's not a big deal, then no one else will question it either. Like, you know, no one's too concerned. Yes. It's like having a zit on your forehead and stuff. You know, you're like, everybody's <laughs> looking, but until you point it out and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, look at this giant zit on my head. People are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's the perfect analogy. I love yeah. it. Totally. Um, okay, so I want to, like, 
I mean, we have like 10 more minutes or so, and I kind of want to wrap up at the end and talk about business, the business side of things, because you are like the ultimate entrepreneur and do a lot. And okay, first of all, I'm curious about how you go about structuring everything you do to like, you know, be efficient, get things done, but also, you know, take some time for yourself. I know you've been working really hard, um, and, like, you have your hand in many different pots. So kind of how do you go about, like, structuring your time and managing your time? Um, I think I've definitely struggled a lot with this. And I've gone through different phases where different things have worked for me at different times. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really what it comes down to is really understanding your working style and working with that instead of against it. So, like, I think understanding the way you work and yourself is more important um, so that you can work most efficiently based off that. Because for some people, um, they prefer to work on like 10 different things a day or something. And um, they're also the type of people that, you know, start to like a really long time out from a deadline um, because they like to feel prepared and they do a little bit of that work each day leading up to the deadline versus people who need to like sit down and just do the whole thing all at once, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for me, I am, I have a hard time switching gears sometimes when it comes to creative and business stuff. So, um, I try to section off my days now, um, to dedicate, um, my larger gaps of time. So if I have days where I have maybe a few hours between training, training clients, I'll try to schedule in more creative work then, um, like the writing photo stuff, um, branding design, all of that all that kind of stuff in there just because I need uninterrupted time to be able to do that. Whereas like emails, for instance, I know I can just, you know, um, in an hour that I have in between training clients, sit at a coffee shop and just bang those out. So I think just, um, really taking stock of your schedule and most efficiently kind of planning out your activities based on like your workflow to maximize efficiency there is super important. Um, but then when it comes to setting boundaries, I mean, I, I don't know. It's funny because like, I don't think that I'm a master at this at all. Um, Mm -hmm. and I find myself, um, better at it sometimes than others. But I also do think my biggest obstacle that I had to overcome when it comes to that though, is, um, putting pressure on myself to manage stress or find balance, Mm -hmm. you know? And cause a lot of the time I'd be like, uh, I was more stressed about the fact that I was off balance with my work life, um, balance than actually the problem itself, you know, um, just stressing out about maintaining that perfect balance is just never going to happen. I think it's really overrated. Um, and cause there are times I think for hustle and flow. So there are some weeks where I'm like head down in the ground. I'm not seeing a whole lot of friends and stuff for right now. Um, but I just need to get through all of these deadlines and all of this work. But then I know that I need to make sure that I have some freer time to look forward to at the end of that period. Otherwise I will burn out. So I think just, yeah, figuring out your flow, um, and just making sure that you're offsetting things here and there. Yeah. I really love that answer because to be honest, I find that a lot of the people who like talk about how they've found balance, I mean, don't actually have balance (laughs) so I I really I really appreciate the honesty because I don't think anyone really knows exactly how to balance it out you know Um, but also like 
what does balance even mean? To balance to me is going to mean a different thing than balance to you, you know? So I don't know who we're comparing ourselves to here. (laughs) I don't think any of us know, honestly. We just like to throw around (laughs) terms and pretend like we know what we're saying. Um, But (laughs) yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, so starting a company, like you just like started this company and what has been like, the most what's something that you wish people knew about what it's like to kind of like start a brand start a business especially like releasing a food product I feel like is especially hard because I mean <laughs> you have to go through do you have to get like approved by the FDA and all that kind of stuff food is a monster of an industry first of all yes and I don't think I quite understood the uh, scale of that of how intense that was because you know I'm the type of person that I like to have realistic expectations and I very much mentally prepare myself for, you know, how hard things are going to be. And I thought I had a pretty good idea going into it. And I feel like every founder says this, but then it just becomes that much more complicated once you're actually in it. Um, And one thing I feel like that has rung in my head throughout is right now we're in a time where working for yourself and being an entrepreneur is so glorified as like the end goal. But I don't think it should be that way for most people, actually, because it takes a very specific type of personality and skill and um, passion to do that kind of thing. You know, and some people operate better and flourish more in environments where it's not the case, where like you aren't working for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think really identifying that, identifying also to your idea for a startup or a business or brand if that idea is something that you're going to really want to be married to as it evolves and isn't just, you know, the concept that you came up with, but as it evolves through time, not just the ups and downs of it, but the actual evolution of the business itself. Um, because likely it's not going to be the same thing in a year or two years or whatnot. Um, but starting a business from scratch, it is very much also like wandering in the dark because you can ask for advice from, a million other startup founders, which I did. Um, cause I'm also someone to do very much like all of my due diligence and research like crazy. Yeah. And so I do all of that, but only about 5% of that's going to actually be helpful for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really about learning on the go by the seat of your pants. And, um, you do discover a lot more about yourself along the way, but it is very much, um, going by the seat of your pants because industries nowadays, because of technology and social media and marketing, everything evolves so, so fast. So even the stuff that, you know, was good in theory a year ago is completely different now and is not effective, you know? Yeah. What has been like the most frustrating part, part about it? Oh gosh, that's a dangerous question. (laughs) Um, I, I ask this because I just think that a lot of people don't understand all that goes on behind the scenes. Like we see this, like you have this wonderful product with beautiful packaging and it's like, people don't think about everything that went into making it. And then people will get an idea like, Oh, I want to put out this product. And they are not really fully thinking about like what actually went into that, you know? And it's like, I just want to bring some real life to this. Oh, yeah. Well, one thing people definitely don't talk about enough is financial stuff that Mm. goes on behind all of this. One, are you do you are you do have like financial stability? Do you have connections to be able to like crowdsource funds, all of that stuff? So first of all, even just generating enough 
money to get this off the ground, right? But then also thinking about your own personal like cash flow, because likely, I mean, unless you are really lucky and things take off like crazy and whatnot, um, you're not going to be taking money from the business for a long time. And so are you able to be in a position where you're just putting in and in and in and not getting a lot back at all, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of identifying that. And because um, it is not a easy thing, especially when you're putting so much of your time into it. Right. Um, and not as able to work with other jobs or whatnot, if you have other um, sources of income alongside of it. Um, so I think that, and then the, another like frustrating part I think is just, um, I think it's just, uh, for me, I am still like, it's pretty much all me. So Mm -hmm. it's not like I have, other people to source out things to. And so having to play all of the roles of everything, I am the main contact person for every single thing. So whether it be for distribution, for marketing, for outreach, for actual manufacturing, for regulation stuff, for legal stuff, for financial stuff, like it's just, it's all encompassing for sure, which is a great crash course into learning, you know, how a business really runs from the ground up. And it's been super eye opening. but I think people underestimate just how intense it can be. And, um, it's definitely not glamorous. Like you gotta pull up those sleeves and stuff and be ready to put in all you got. And, uh, yeah, literally everything you got. (laughs) Yeah. Well, cause I mean, are you like you yourself, are you packing all the orders? Yeah, so for big reveal, um, oh my god, think that they're little elves uh, packing these boxes. I have packed thousands and thousands and thousands of boxes by myself. (laughs) Yeah, and also something that if if anyone listening hasn't you know got one of your packages, like you do such a beautiful job. Like you're you're very like everything is very aesthetically pleasing. It's like you put time and care into every package. You can tell, you know, um, it's like a present every time you open it up. So it's not like you're just throwing it in the box either. Like you're making it all look very nice and. I mean, I I have no idea how you do that all. And that's why I'm so shocked. Like, I have no idea how you're doing this whole business and like playing all those roles when I feel like just one of those would take up my whole day. Slash, you're also like have clients on the side like you're doing other jobs you have you know your your personal blog and your your photography stuff Mm -hmm. and then your clients your training clients like health coaching like my mind wants to explode thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, for me, I feel like well, the packing stuff, it's, it's kind of funny because I really should be outsourcing that at least. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think I'm a little idealistic and too much of a perfectionist in some ways though, because, you know, I really should be letting, um, a distributor handle this kind of stuff. And I, but a part of, you know, when I started the business and what I imagined it to be, I was kind of like, I love it when brands put extra thought into, these little things and these little touches, you know, cause it, it makes me feel valued that much more as a consumer choosing to support their business. And so for me, I wanted to provide that kind of experience for the people that are choosing to go with, you know, our product. And so that was like a really big thing for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, juggling that, I mean, you, you guys don't see, cause I don't Instagram story this all the time. I'll do it maybe <laughs> once every few months, but like up late packing boxes, like my normal routine, it's like, my hair's in a towel and I'm packing boxes along the side of my apartment. And, um, 
I'm experiencing a bit of mild panic because I have a uh, home tour coming up and I have so much stuff <laughs> in that I need to clean up. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think the balancing act, right. It's, I also view it as temporary as, um, it's going to be an evolution and not, who knows where this business is going to go or my other businesses and where I want to allocate my time. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I have taken my foot off the pedal recently with Live 24K in terms of expansion just because um, a couple months ago I realized, you know, I really don't have a personal life right now and I'm struggling um, with my mindset uh, where a lot of things are going and I kind of need to figure out where I need to, where I want to prioritize my energy and put in my energy. So um, I've been taking it a little easier on that front of things um, for a while and who knows what will happen from there. Yeah, I the one thing I, I'm curious to get your perspective on because you kind of like you have a social media presence and following and like have worked with brands on the other side of things. And I'm curious how that has affected kind of your approach with marketing. Oh, my gosh, it's hilarious. because I really need to put up this blog series that I want to do of uh, what brands wish that influencers knew and then what influencers wish that brands knew. Yeah, because, oh, my gosh, it's it's kind of it's kind of shocking to me sometimes, um, the inquiries that I will get as a brand, you know, of bloggers wanting to collaborate and stuff. And also it kind of disturbs me sometimes how entitled people have become just because for me, when I work with brands and stuff, I've never, I don't know, I, I, I feel very grateful for the work I'm able to do with brands on the blogger side of things. Mm -hmm. And so now though, it's become this weird world where, somehow like everyone's an influencer, even though <laughs> yeah. like, I, I don't know, there are times sometimes where I'm like someone with, with like a thousand followers, but not even just the following count, but like their work itself is not there, yeah. you know? And like what, so what a collaboration is a two way street. So what are you going to provide the brand mm-hmm. if we're sending you product or something like that? You know, you kind of have to think about how to market yourself and building yourself up in that way, because you know, when I first started blogging, I didn't get anything at all, you know, and it was just me putting hours of my own time and to, you know, um, recipe development and stuff. Cause that's kind of where I started was a lot of food photography and blogging, um, mm-hmm. of like healthy recipes. Um, but then building that from there, like you have to make an investment in yourself and not expect to reap in like rewards and jobs and stuff from day one, you know, yeah. you have to work on building your skill set and your craft and your brand, you know, before that. Um, but also, too, on the flip side of things, um, I've seen my fair share of really bad working work with, like, you know, really bad marketing teams or PR people and whatnot. Um, and I can say this because I used to work in PR. And so um, I understand how that side of things work. And sometimes I see those inefficiencies that I wish um, I could share a little bit more. But, I mean, it's, it's also hard to say, right, because – this world is evolving rapidly and changing so much. And so I think, um, different people prioritize things differently, but, um, it's definitely given me a lot of insight into how to market for a brand and build those relationships. Yeah. I, I can't wait to read your, your series on that. You got to publish that because I think it's such an interesting topic because I think all of this is, you know, such it's uncharted territory for so many people. And I definitely sense this, sense of entitlement as well like on both sides honestly like it honestly appalls me when a brand will email me and tell me hey we'll send you this product we want 
we want um, two blog posts and three Instagram okay. photos and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, here are my rates. And they go, yep. well, we can't pay you. And I go, well, I'm not putting in 20 hours of work to go- not get paid. I'm sorry. You know, like it, it's, that's not going to work. And then on the other side of things, you know, I have people like you see people who, you know, they see these influencers and then they want to be one. And then they put up their posts and they've been, you know, they've had a, a following for like, I don't know, six months. And now they're like, you know, I charge a thousand dollars a post. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Who are you? (laughs) Like, Oh yeah. I totally understand. Like from speaking to both of those types of instances, um, exactly. Like for me, when I see people who are like, Oh, I'm an influencer and I charge X, Y, and Z or whatnot and have this sense of entitlement. I'm like, but here's the thing for me, I don't even care about following, but it's like, are you connected with your community? Are you Mm -hmm. speaking to a product? Is this for yourself or is this for your community? And is this to help a brand? Cause there are times where I've done some sponsored posts, um, here and like, I do my very best to make sure that, you know, the photos are something that I genuinely love and the content I'm speaking genuinely towards. Cause I, I really do only partner with um, brands that I believe in truly, mm-hmm. but there's sometimes where posts will just perform badly that day, you yeah. know, and it just won't do well. And then I feel so badly about it. Cause I'm like, this brand paid me to do this. And I feel like I'm not delivering on my end of things, yeah. but I feel like if there's ever a time where I don't feel badly about it, that's a problem. Like you should, if you're an influencer working with a brand, you should want to support them in every way possible because they are paying you for a job. And Vice versa, though, those brands that expect free work, it just drives me it, like bonkers because it's one thing to approach smaller influencers who are maybe just starting out and it's a mutually beneficial relationship to just do like a product exchange in kind. But it's another thing to approach someone who clearly takes, you know, um, pride in their work and like has built this portfolio of work, you know, and then just be like, hey, so can you do all this stuff for free, especially when it's like not a pre-existing relationship and it's not a genuine transaction in that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it, it's just, there's so many degrees of wrong with that. You know, I'm like, do you realize that that work you're asking me to do is going to take me like six hours to complete, you yeah. know? And then now you just want that in exchange for what, you know? And that's not going to bring value to me. So how can we make this a collaborative experience, you know? Cause then also too, if they don't have budget for something, then think about as the blogger, how you can get something else. Maybe that would be beneficial to you, um, out of the brand if you wish to go that route, you know? Um, but I think everything should be collaborative and, um, at least just try to make it a genuine, you know, interaction (laughs) between the two, because it just makes everything so much more pleasant when it is and it's not transactional. Yeah, I agree. I think people forget that at the end of the day, it is a relationship, which means it goes both ways. And I also honestly, personally, I think that Instagram has like the interactions there have made people so unprofessional. And I think that that has to do like I'm like brands are like DMing me things and things that they're DMing me. I'm like... I think I feel like because you're DMing back and forth with me, this is becoming so unprofessional. And you're not seeing me as like professional, and 
I don't know. There's something about the vibe there. And I'll be like, can we move this to email? Because I honestly think that I get further with people via email. I'm like, this is where I want to run my business. I don't want you sliding into my DMs being like, hey, (laughs) hey, do you want a free product? Like, if you post about us three times, we'll send you a free product. Like, this feels like spam to me. Like, I know. (laughs) It's it's the worst. I hate, I honestly really don't like it when brands reach out via DM. It's usually like, you know, I'll ask to transfer over to email as well. So there's also like a conversation thread that's easily accessible. And it's, you know, at that point, it turns to work. It's not just like, Mm -hmm. you know, commenting back and forth or something like that, you know. Um, But yeah, I've had on the brand side of things, that's kind of the worst. Oh, my gosh, some of the DMs I've gotten, like, it's, it's honest, there's this one in particular, I will never forget for the rest of my life. (laughs) This girl, I mean, she's got, she had like over 300,000 followers. So I guess she had gotten used to, you know, brands willing to jump at whatever she wanted, I guess, or to gifting and whatnot. But all she DMs is, Hey, can I get a few of these? (laughs) I was like, I'm sorry. What? Yeah. (laughs) Like, Oh my God. What did you say? (laughs) Speechless. I didn't respond because I was like, I'm sorry, that does not that does not qualify for a response. <laughs> like, yeah, that okay. Actually, that brings up a good point. Like, so as a brand, I think th- there are definitely a lot of people who are lis- who listen to this podcast who own a brand or like releasing a product. Um, mm-hmm. And like, maybe you could give some advice. Like, how how I think people struggle with like knowing kind of who to invest product or money into. Like, who is worth it? You know, and sometimes brands make the mistake, in my opinion, of just like looking at how many followers someone has and then just like sending them product. And that's not always the best way to go. And so what's your opinion on like who you kind of are more attracted to working with or collaborating with? For sure. Um, Like as a brand, from that perspective, at least, I think it's really important to look at the influencer's type of content, first of all, did that jive, right? Mm -hmm. And also like identify what you're looking for because as a brand with marketing, at least, they're they're all different goals. Sometimes you just want people's eyes on the product and brand familiarity. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you want click-throughs for sale or sometimes you just want pretty content that you can use for your social media. So kind of identifying what your goal is because for me, at least, I have a different list of influencers that I would go to for each of those kinds of things, you Mm -hmm. know, because... Mm -hmm. Different people bring different value. And, like, it's funny because, yeah, follower count doesn't mean shit. Can I say that? Yeah, you can say everything on here. (laughs) Yeah, like, follower count really doesn't mean shit um, because it's really about engagement and seeing um, that trust in a community. Like, um, one of my friends, um, Clara, she has such an engaged community. It's insane. Um, She's got a good following and stuff as well, but, like, her – her community genuinely loves hearing her opinion on things because she is just a very genuine person and she speaks to things authentically on stories and stuff like that as well. Um, and so I think just really identifying that it's more time consuming. Yes. To identify those influencers, but it pays off for sure in that way. Um, because then I've also had people with massive followings, you know, post about us and what, and we have not gotten a single, like even like Instagram followers or stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, so you really do start to see who is kind of, um, worth the bread and butter there, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I think it is though, identifying the goal in that way. And then also too establishing a relationship with that influencer and making it a genuine one. Because for me, at least when a brand approaches me and let's say that they don't have budget, but it's like a product that I really think is awesome or something. 
I'll still post about it because I want to share it with people, you yeah. know, but approaching me in a way that doesn't make me feel, you know, being like, Hey, we'll send you these in exchange for like three posts or something or like demanding something like right off the bat like that feels very like kind of skeezy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so instead just being like, Hey, you know, we, with a more personal reach out of being like, Hey, you know, we saw that you're into, you know, this or whatnot. And we thought that this would, you know, fit really well into that or that you would enjoy using this and stuff. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But again, just have building an actual relationship instead of making it a transactional thing. I think people just forget to look at the long run of things. Cause then also too, who knows, then as an influencer, you should also not dismiss a brand based on no budget as well, because you don't know when down the road, when all of a sudden they do blow up or something, you want to be on that list that they reach out to because you were great to work with. You know, it's all about relationships. I'm so glad you brought that up. I feel the same way, like so much of whether I choose to talk about a product or even be interested in like learning about it has to do with how the person is interacting with me, which is why I mean, for any brands listening out there, if you have a marketing team, it is really important to make sure that they are communicating well. And so, I mean, there have been products that I love and I, I, I love it. And I'm talking to the person and they are, they're an asshole to me. And I'm like, okay, I'm never talking about your product again because you are mean. And then I have brands who like, I like the product I'm talking to them. They have no budget and maybe typically I would charge something for it, but the person is so nice. And I'm like, Oh, I'll totally do all this stuff for you. Like, I'm happy to help you. I just want to help out your company. And, and then also if like, there are definitely products I've never heard of before. And if I'm just getting a random inquiry email, I've never heard of this. And like, there are, there are things that stand out in my mind of like small business owners reaching out to me and they're like, Hey, I've been following you. I love that you like, I'm making your celery fries and I love that you did X, Y, and Z. And I hope your, I hope your trip last week was fun. Like, like they show that they, they're invested in me. Yeah. They make it personal. And I'm like, okay, I don't know who you are, but I love you. Like, let's be friends. What's your product? I want to help you out, you know? And maybe if I don't, there's definitely been times where that will happen. And maybe I don't like the product or it doesn't work for me, like the way I eat, but I will always then refer them to like a friend who like, you should reach out to X, Y, or Z and they would love this. Like, I want to, I want to benefit that person in some way. Yep, exactly. And like, for me, it's, it's, it's literally kind of also, you know, you can compare this to like relationships and stuff as well. Like the one night stands or the you up text <laughs> in the morning versus, yeah. you know, actually establishing a relationship though, because you know, that, that is really key. The way that you talk to, um, talk to people and it, that goes both ways with brands and influencers. Like when influencers also reach out to live 24 K, like I've had people with smaller audiences, maybe not as developed content yet and stuff like that. But if they speak to the product as if they genuinely love it and like their ideas for how they're going to use it and stuff, I'm like, that is a personalized pitch. That is what you should be doing when you pitch an idea as a blogger to a brand. Like I still, I do that with any brand that I work with. I'm like, here's my specific idea for the content I'd like to produce using this product or doing this service or whatnot, because this is how it fits well into my branding and how it's an organic fit, you know, and why my audience would be interested. You have to learn how to sell yourself in a way, you know, but that goes both ways. And then the brand also needs to do that with the influencer. You know, let's say that it's this brand is like non-toxic, you know, beauty product or whatever. And they're like, hey, we saw your stories the other day, you know, talking about, you know, this foundation or whatever, like here's this other, you know, makeup kit or whatnot that we thought you might be interested in. And, you know, just making it more personal in that way. It just, it changes everything. 
I agree 100%. That's the benefits of like seeing both sides of it. You know, you can, you, you know what you want from brand side and influencer side. So I think that will help a lot of people. And okay, I also just realized, I mean, in case I feel like we haven't been totally clear about exactly what Live 24K is. So can you, I, I'm just realizing this now and I feel really bad because I, you know, um, so it's a golden fuel. Okay. I'll let you explain it to the audience. <laughs> Um, so the company's called Live 24K and our product is called Golden Fuel. And it was just a name that I gave to our blend, which is a powder blend that is used to make golden milk. It's made with turmeric, collagen, um, black pepper, and a couple of other spices um, to make this an easy drink blend that you can also put into anything like smoothies or oatmeal, overnight oats and stuff like that, chia puddings. It's really good in ice cream, but you didn't hear it from me. Um, but yeah, it's basically the shortcut of, you know, putting an anti-inflammatory boost into anything. Cause that's what I, that's what I essentially needed and what I was creating at home for myself anyway. Um, but I just wanted to be able to make it accessible for people so they wouldn't have to, you know, spend so much time at home making all these like potions that you see on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, it's a total time saver. You just can mix it with just mix it with some coconut milk. You're good to go. It's so good. And it yeah. has collagen in it. Yes. And that is um, a differentiating factor for sure. Because for me, I found that the combination of the two really helped with my um, gut issues and my inflammation. And so um, I liked, yeah, I like the two together. Yeah, I think it's I think it's genius, and I also love hearing like more of your your personal story behind how that came to be. It just makes me like like it even more. You know, like it's that making it personal. You know, it goes back to that. So I think people can really appreciate that as well, which I think is another good tip, like for brands. Like the more you share about like your why, the more people are gonna like the product. You know. Yes. Yes, totally. Because people want to feel a connection to it, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, with anything you can, you can just interweave that story in and make that personal connection. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been amazing. Can you tell everybody where they can find everything from you and where they can get some of this delicious golden fuel? <laughs> Well, for Live24K, our website's just live24k.com. Um, and then for those of you guys in New York and LA, um, it's in the Aloe Yoga stores. We're on Free People Online. Um, and we're also in Hugh Kitchen in New York as well. Um, yeah, and so that's where you can find all of that. And then to find me, um, my handle on Instagram is at livingmeanally. It's a little fun play on my first and last name. Um, and then my website's just livingmeanally.com. And I just have to tell you, I freaking love that. It's so clever. Like, every time every time I see your handle, I crack up. <laughs> I've definitely contemplated changing it, though, just because it. I feel like for people who also don't know how to pronounce my name correctly, Mina, mm -hmm. and everyone calls me Mina when they read off my name. Um, yeah, people get confused about that, but I thought it was a fun play on words. I think it's clever. I mean, you know, sometimes you, you have to change it for business, but if not, I mean, I love it. So I appreciate it. Love it. Thanks. Cool. Well, thank you again so much for coming on the podcast. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. Huge thank you to Mina for coming on the show. If you guys want to learn more from her, you can find her on her website, livingmeanly.com, on Instagram at livingmeanly. And also make sure you check out Live24K. If you love golden milk, you got to check this stuff out. So Good has added collagen in there. 
It's awesome. So that's lip24k.com. All information will be in the show notes as usual. If you liked the show, please, please, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. It seriously means the world to me when you do that. And make sure you subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. It's totally free to subscribe and I put out two episodes a week. Make sure you also share any episodes you like with your family and friends. That helps get the word out about the podcast. And I would love to have you in our Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe, where you can meet other listeners. I can interact with you. It's a party. That will be it for this episode. I will talk to you again next time. Bye.